From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have blues fusion multi-instrumentalist Ryan Lee Crosby on the show with us. Grammy-nominated blues man Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. This week, I have a little mental exercise for you. Can you imagine a place where an American fella from Boston, Massachusetts could play music inspired by the blues of Mississippi, raga music in northern India, and the traditional music of West Africa? It might take a bit of meditation, but close your eyes and give it a try. <laughs> I'd rather not have to close my eyes. JB, I think I know where you're going with this one. I reckon you might be talking about our pal Ryan Lee Crosby, a young man whose routine is an amalgamation of a lot of very different influences. Hey, Pat, you're pretty good at these riddles. Ryan isn't your typical guest on Bill Street Caravan, but then again, I'd be fairly certain that he isn't a typical guest anywhere. Not on this planet, at least. Truthfully, there are enough music fans out there who'd be astonished that a musician from New England could wrap his head around blues guitar. To say Ryan has taken things a step further would be, quite frankly, an understatement. Inspired originally by the musical exploration of George Harrison, Crosby took an interest in the music of India. He eventually turned his appreciation into practice, learning to play the instruments he heard on the recordings from the region. As interesting as Ryan's own story may be, it might be even more stunning that there's an intrinsic connection between all the music forms he's performing that have made it so natural to connect the dots between them. It might be easy to imagine that the music of Africans in West Africa might still bear some resemblance to the folk music of their African-American counterparts in the rural South, but it's a bit mesmerizing to consider Consider that when Crosby puts his guitar down to play the chaturanga, a 12-string Indian instrument, he still uses a slide in a similar manner to what we'd expect when we hear the Delta Blues. Just as he's been in town in Memphis and in North Mississippi listening and recording new music, he consulted some of the most proficient American musicians in Indian and West African music to hone his craft. And he's been really making himself at home on his recent visits to Memphis. I put a bug in his ear that maybe, just maybe, you know, he should stay here for good. So how'd that conversation go? I'll just say he was receptive. Whether or not he takes us up on that, though, he'll always have a home away from home here on our show. Here he is, Ryan Lee Crosby, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Here's more from Ryan Lee Crosby, live on Bill Street Caravan. <clears throat> I 
Thanks very much. Sean Marsh on the guitar. That was Ryan Lee Crosby, live on Bill Street Caravan. For more information on Ryan, visit ryanleecrosby.com. We'll be back with more music from Ryan in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation, and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. For all we know, we may never meet For all we know, brought her to tears every time. That's why people loved her. She felt every word she sang. They knew it hurt. She did it for them. On stage at the Stardust Lounge in Las Vegas, Diana Washington delivered the quiet, contemplative verse. She breathed in, tilted her head back, gently closed her eyes for the dramatic pause, and heard a cackle in the audience. Dinah peeked through a slit in one eye and saw the woman, right at the front table, wrapped in a fur, laughing. (laughs) Dinah dropped her head down in silent grace. She reached toward the stool at center stage as if bracing herself from collapse. She reached into the water glass on the stool. Two silk fingers slid out an ice cube. She twirled, glided over to the front table, now singing her heart out, and threw the ice cube at the laughing woman. Dinah swirled a gloved hand through the air and brought the number to a close. Covered by applause, the pit boss slithered on stage. He had copper-colored hair slicked back and nightlife pale skin. He beckoned Dinah out of the spotlight and whispered in her ear, Nice shot. Try attacking someone who isn't married to the governor of California next time. Dinah elegantly strode back toward the table she iced to apologize for all the pit boss knew. Dinah bowed to the people seated there. Dinah looked at the woman eye to eye and said, I thought for sure I had on the most expensive wig in here tonight. The governor's wife shot back, You should see my white mink. Dinah replied, You should see my white chauffeur. Who are you to sass the governor's wife? The woman asked. My darling, Dinah said, I am the queen. I say Dinah retired to the dressing room with her entourage. A scribbler from Billboard magazine greeted her, but that's not who Dinah was dying to see. Her one-year-old son was waiting for Mama with his nanny, Eloise. Ooh, he's just about to walk, Eloise said. Little George stood on wobbly legs holding Eloise's finger. He saw Dinah. She kneeled down in her sequin gown and opened her arms wide. She said, come on, baby. Little George released Eloise's finger and grunted, Mmm. His plump little legs shook. Dinah's entourage cheered him ahead. Come on, little Georgie. He wobbled, raised his foot, and stepped into Dinah's arms. She hugged her boy to her breast and laughed, tears welling up in her eyes. Everyone cheered. Dinah kissed Georgie's chubby cheek and turned right to the reporter. Don't you dare write about how kind I am, she smiled. Write about Dinah the bitch. It was a night. Oh, what a night it was. It really was such a night. The moon was bright. Oh, how bright it was. It really was such a night. 
After Dinah put little George to bed, she went out with the reporter and her best friend, backup singer Pinky. No more dust bowl for us, Dinah said. Dinah had been the first black female singer to perform in a Vegas casino. Now the whole strip was open to black entertainers and black customers. That's why the reporter went along for the ride. They hit all the neon hotspots, the flamingo, the gold nugget, until finally they got a front table at Nero's Nook in Caesar's Palace. The reporter asked, Ms. Washington, what did you have to do to get Las Vegas open to black entertainers? Dinah looked at Pinky and laughed. Hell, she said. Sinatra threw a fit when one of those meatheads backdoored Sammy Davis Jr., Pinky explained. He called Giancana. The reporter's eyes bugged in disbelief. Dinah went on. The whole town was desegged faster than a Supreme Court judge can bang his gavel. Pinky opined. They should put Sinatra on the Supreme Court and Sammy Davis on a greyhound. This whole country would be fixed in a week, Dinah added. The interview shifted to Dinah's backstory. The reporter asked, how did you ascend to royalty, queen? Little Ruth Jones started singing gospel with Sally Martin, said Dinah, sharing her real name. But my heart went with Billie Holiday. I wanted to be a showgirl. I wasn't even a woman yet. I got my first job playing piano with the cats and the fiddle at the stage bar in Chicago. We played upstairs. Billy sang below us in the downbeat room. I snuck down and dug her every chance I could. She didn't show the night Lionel Hampton came looking for her. He came up and heard me instead. That was my big break. What became of Ruth Jones, the reporter wondered. Hamp's manager told me, the way you sing, you ought to have a name that rolls off the tongue like rich liquor. Pinky threw in, Dinah Washington was born. I'm a girl you can't excuse. I've got those blow-top blues. Dinah tossed a small green pill into her mouth and swallowed a sip of gin and tonic. The reporter's eyebrows shot up. They want you thin and beautiful, Dinah told him. I was born neither. The reporter saw an opening into Dinah's personal life, a source of gossip like the Nile's a source of water. Hadn't kept the men off, he nudged. Dinah didn't bite. The reporter shifted. You've been married, what, six times? I enjoy divorcing them more, she smiled. I've been hurt, humiliated, kicked around, robbed, and maligned by lies. Name it, it has happened to me, but I refuse to give up. House lights dimmed. People seated throughout Nero's nook began clapping. On stage, Nina Simone prowled into the spotlight. Oh, throw her a fish, Dinah said. Simone opened with a long, powerfully sung, Cry Me a River. She wrung every drop of emotion out of each word. Simone finished to ear-splitting applause. When the roar of the crowd died down, Dinah remarked, if I didn't have on such a tight dress, I'd run up on that stage and take back my music, Pinky cackled. <laughs> Dinah mostly behaved herself as the night went on. Shaja Gabor passed by, ran her hand over Dinah's mink stole, and said, Hello, darling. After Simone set, the house lights went back on. A man with copper hair and white skin was standing beside Dinah's table. 
He said to Dinah, Mr. G. Cole didn't like the business with the governor. He canceled your contract, Queen. I'm sorry. Dinah said, Why you got to tell him? I didn't, said the pit boss. He skulked away. Pinky asked Dinah, Didn't you know that was the governor's wife when you threw that ice? Dinah sighed. Sure, sweetie. He presented me with my first Grammy Award. I knew him when he was just Ronnie Reagan. What a difference a day made. In the morning, the reporter went to Dinah's room. He watched the entourage pack up her pink fur pillows and glittering gowns. Dinah held little George's hand as he wobbled across the red carpeted floor. She scooped up her baby, turned to the reporter and said, Warm applause is music to my ears, but not even Nina Simone can take it to bed with her. And the queen left Las Vegas. Shout out to Nadine Cahotas, author of the Dinah Washington biography, The Queen. Said you cry the whole night through. Well, you can cry me a river. Cry me a river. Cause I cried a river over you. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Travel, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. 
TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you who are just tuning in, we've got blues, ragga, fusion performer Ryan Lee Crosby on the show today. One thing that's fun about Ryan's live show is its flexible configuration. Malleable might even be the word that I'd use. Depending on where the gig is and who's available among his group of musicians, Ryan might pack tons of instruments with a large cast of complimentary players, or he might pack light. He formulates the show almost on the fly to fit the personnel for a given evening and the tools he has at his disposal for the event. Not only does he switch things up on the fly, he also improvises on stage. And I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised to know that he can play pretty much all the instruments in his act and on his record. So he'll bounce around in between them. Speaking of his most recent record, his sixth full-length album, River Music, was released in 2018. It's a mystical sort of musical experience that is perhaps a bit more ambient and meditative than what most folks might associate with the blues. Pat, let me get this right. Are you suggesting that I should mm, (laughs) meditate? (laughs) Should I also close my eyes when I listen to it? You've got it, JB. Here is your chance. Um, Mrs. While he's meditating, we'll jump right back into Ryan Lee Crosby, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Thanks very much.
Thanks a lot. All right, we're here on the Bill Street Caravan with Ryan Lee Crosby. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Jared. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back to Memphis. I think, you know, since I've been back living at home in, in the past year, you've been through once already in the past year, haven't I think you were at the, uh, at the Folklore Center downtown? Yeah, that's right. Uh, last June, I played at the Folklore Center. What is it like to come through town? I don't know how often you hear you mention you've been in this particular building before. Uh, how often do you get out into this area when you're on tour? Well, this is my second time coming to Memphis to play, but I did come here and I recorded a record with Bruce Watson last August. So uh, I was here in Memphis for a couple days for that. I've been through as a visitor a few times before that. I, I'm trying to come down here every chance I can because it's a beautiful place. It's a bit far away from home for you, right? I mean, you're from New England area, right? Yeah, from uh, from the city of Boston. It's far, but it is very inspiring to be here. And um, every time I've come here, I've had a hard time leaving. When you think of Memphis, uh, Memphis music in the Memphis area, what sort of influences might you have that are, that are from this area? And I mean, how does a young man from Boston area sort of connect with music that comes from this area? If I were to point to a single uh, musician or sound who was most influential to me from this area, I think. Uh, Robert Belfort is a huge hero of mine, and a big part of the way I play comes from listening to his records and uh, musicians around him in North Mississippi. And I mean, I feel in many ways I'm just beginning to learn about uh, Memphis's rich musical history. You mentioned being able to record with Bruce Watson. What was that opportunity like? Uh, it, it was thrilling and inspiring, and um, there was a familiarity there from having listened to many of the records he made. And yeah, getting to record with Bruce was um, very exciting and, and very meaningful. And George Slepik, who's playing with me tonight, played on that album too. How many pieces are involved with your show, and how many are you playing, and how many other people in your ensemble playing? Well, it, it really, it can change quite a bit from night to night. I guess something I didn't quite speak to a moment ago was that I've also been trying to study North Indian classical music, uh, Hindustani raga music for a few years now, and I have an instrument from India called the Chaturangi, which is kind of like a cross between a lap style dobro and a, and a sitar that was designed for raga music, but can be used to play lots of different styles, so you can play blues on that too. And often at home, a show at home might consist of uh, my chaturangi, my 12-string guitar, which I kind of play the most, uh, tabla, calabash from West Africa, harmonica, sometimes my friend Ilana plays the violin. All of that can kind of change from night to night or depending on where I'm going. So when I travel away from home, it's hard to bring everybody. So uh, sometimes the music will change as a result of that. So some nights could be more blues-oriented, and some nights I might try to play more of the traditional blues repertoire that I know, and then other nights I may play more of my original songs. And then, yeah, sometimes like a night could really lean towards the Indian classical influence. So it, it varies. It's almost never the same twice, which in a way can be nice. How do you end up exposed to Indian music? It was one of two or three moments in my musical life where I had a little bit of feeling like I was getting struck by lightning. In my formative years, I was listening to some blues, some punk rock. I really loved the Beatles too. And um, I think probably somewhere in my mind, there was just an awareness of Hindustani raga as a, a really high thing to aspire to in music. And it was just sort of in my mind somewhere. But I think what 
links all of those things to me. A lot of the blues that I really like the most centers around a single chord. There may be a couple of chord changes, but oftentimes there's like a trance-like element, hypnotic element to it. And uh, in raga music, there's no chord changes at all. It's just a single drone in the background. And so if you're playing raga on a slide guitar, there's just some similar musical qualities that I think can overlap. What about logistically? I mean, some of these instruments, they, they aren't making flight cases for, I imagine. Is it quite a bit of a chore to travel with these sorts of instruments on the road? Yeah, it really is. That's sadly why I don't have my chaturangi with me right now. And there's not as much of the Indian music in the program tonight as I, I guess I would like there to be, because it is really hard to get them on an airplane. And at this point, I actually prefer to play acoustic, but the electric guitars can kind of, you know, travel a little easier. And one more element to this, I mean, you, you put your record out, River Music, through a uh, label in Germany. How was the process of putting that, you know, that's your sixth LP, isn't it, together? Yeah, uh, that's something that just kind of, I guess, evolved naturally from playing over there. Hope you have great success with the show tonight, and thanks so much for hanging out with me, and welcome back to, I guess, what we can hopefully call one of your homes, if not now, then soon. Yeah. The beauty and the depth of the city is just really apparent, and so I'm very grateful to be here. Absolutely grateful to have you. Well, thanks so much, Ryan. Great to meet you. Yeah, you Here's more from Ryan Lee Crosby live on Beale Street Caravan.
That was Ryan Lee Crosby live on Bill Street Caravan. For more information on his music, visit him at ryanleecrosby.com. Ryan's always out on the road sharing what is truly a -a one-of-a-kind approach to world music, connecting very disparate sides of the earth through sound. Hopefully, he'll be in your city soon. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Bill Street Caravan.